Praise the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. Welcome all to tonight's Bible study. Um, Tuesday, the 21st of June, 2022. Today is Tuesday, 21st June, 2022. And um, how the time is going um, <clears throat> how the year is running out we are almost getting to half of a year already um, it's, it's so it's so amazing how how God God unveils his plans and um, I want to welcome everyone um, before we say Jack the year will come to an end we've done six months already we've gone halfway the year when did we begin the year already? When did we start putting down the Christmas things that another one is coming? The Lord will have to, by his word, teach us to number our days. That might apply our hearts to wisdom. I want to beg of us a few things tonight. In the light of this, of these, that we serve the Lord our God in the days of our youth. I want us to, to redeem the time. The days are evil. Um, the days are just unfolding. And I want you to know that everything is in the hands of the Lord. Uh, I want husbands to please love their wives. This is the best time to love your wife. This is the best time to, to love your husband, if I may use that word. Bible never says, wife, love your husband. Says, we say, wives, submit. Um, what he says in the church, um, submitting to yourselves one to another. Um, husbands, love your wives and let love be mutual one towards another. Please don't fight your wife. Please, I beg you, you don't have much time. Uh, the, 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 uh, we don't have much time. The wives should love their husbands. Paul was threatening to, I think, um, I think Titus, um, encouraging the, the wives to love their husbands and, and love their children. You know, wives, lo uh, husband, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands and submit to them and honor your wives. I don't, I'm praying tonight that, please, uh, to the singles, this, this is important. Those who are married, please, there's no time. If you can't start loving your wife now, when will you love your wife? You don't love your husband. Why will you love your husband? Please, as you grow, um, um, let the things that cause disagreement um, start outgrowing it. Let those things begin to to dim in the light of His goodness and His grace. And I want us to start serving God. Let's start loving the things that God loves. Let's start, if I may use that word, let's start investing in the kingdom of God. Let's start laboring for the things of God. Uh, for having said and done, this word will, must, will, 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 will matter at the end of it all. How we serve God on earth. For we'll give account of everything we, have, we are doing now in the flesh, whether they, they are good or they are evil. So let's sow into righteousness. Let's sow into good works of God. Um, like I said earlier on, today is 21st of June. And we are almost half the year already. Um, I thank God for another evening tonight. And I want to assure you tonight, everyone listening to me on Mixler or on Zoom, 
The Lord is faithful. God is faithful. God does not live in time. Everything that will happen, he, he knows the beginning from the end. God is, God is, is, that's why he can call the things that be not as though they were. For actually, they are. Because he see, now, you see, it's in our realm that is as if it's not. But in the realm of the spirit, they are. Amen tonight. Every of your prayers, every of your desires, the Lord our God is mindful of them and is bringing all to pass in Jesus' name. Um, tonight we give the praise as we start in the study tonight. Uh, we've been studying the beautiful book of Romans and we've gone through chapters 1 and 2. We are entering gradually to chapter 3. Um, I want to trust God tonight to help us enjoy the meal of the world. Um, as I start this evening, I want to just reiterate a few things that we mentioned last week. And I told us that we must remember the context of the book of Romans and the theme and the message in the heart of God. Now the book of Romans was written 25 years after Acts chapter 9. 25 years. And Paul wrote the book of Romans from Corinth. Um, he wanted to go to, to Rome. Um, but he went rather to Jerusalem. Um, from the time he wrote this, this, this letter, it took him two years more before he could get to Rome because when he got to Jerusalem, we know the story, he was apprehended and kept in prison for two years before he met Caesar. Um, but Paul was writing by the Spirit of God to the believers, to the church. He wrote to the church in Rome like he's writing to the church at Oba and the church um, in particular to you and the church in general. Um, but as we go through the book of Romans, we see the, the thought of the Apostle Paul in introducing the the focal point or the central theme or permit me the word the the nucleus the nucleus I think they said there are three important atoms I don't know but I know the nucleus is very important um, of the entire plan of God and the Apostle Paul when writing this 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 letter had no reason to to joke he was writing with so much zest and inspiration in his heart and i want to see this as important and those he wrote to understood the veracity and the importance of the letter in fact they received it with joy because it came from from paul through the hand of sister phoebe 
Um, she brought the letter to them personally from the Apostle Paul. And the church rejoiced that they could read of a truth of God from his apostle. And that's how I want us to see tonight as we build up again. Um, from chapter 1, Paul introduced himself to the church in Rome because they would not known him by face. In fact, after this letter, it took two years before he got there, but they knew who Paul was. Oh, Paul is. And Paul had heard information about the church, and he was writing to explain to them more detail, just like um, um, uh, um, Aquila and Priscilla in Acts 18 took aside Apollos and showed him the more excellent way. And how did Apollo, um, how did um, Aquila and Priscilla know this way? Because Paul had taught them. So what Aquila was telling Apollos was what Paul taught them by the Spirit. So Paul was a teacher to the Gentiles church. Amen tonight. And Paul was teaching, and I remember Paul himself was a Jew, um, but from the teachings we've, we've, we've had so far, we see the reluctance of the Jews to to want to give breathing space to the Gentiles. And I don't want you to not to give a breathing space to people outside the faith by your life or by your, by your thinking. You know, sometimes there's a way your life can be a hindrance to unbelievers. You see, um, tonight I want to how we're going to help bring this home. Now, the, the Jews were, were, were being hindered by their, by their understanding of the law. And so, they were hindering people from what? From coming to Christ. If fact, those that were in Christ, they, they were becoming thorns in their flesh. And how does this apply to us? One, let's not frustrate believers. Let's not be the people that we are like the problem of the church. You are the one that the church is what again. You know what I mean by that? Don't be the one the church is. I don't want your word is seeing. You know, you are the one the church is is concerned about. The, the, the Jews were becoming torn in the flesh of the church. And this manifested in two ways. I don't want you to be the one in church that we are we are struggling over. We are we are we are battling. No. Don't don't cause don't don't drag us behind, but rather let's walk together forward. And at the same time, don't be the one that hinders unbelievers from coming to Christ by your life. Because the Jews were hindering unbelievers by their life. And this was what Paul was addressing. But as we studied this, don't let's say it's Jews. No. How does it apply to us? Because Paul was writing to the church. In fact, if you read Romans 1 from verse 1 to 7, everything Paul said applied to us except to those who are in Rome. But now we are not in Rome. We are in Lagos. And, you, and we are in wherever you are listening to us from. So as we build up this evening. We we'll begin to. To look at this truth. 
But first and foremost, I want us to, to note that the purpose of the entire message is to establish the victory of Christ. The victory of Christ. The salvation of God. That's what Paul was saying. That's what Paul wants to establish to this church. So that they can be more encouraged and more strengthened to understand what they have and be able to effectively work communicating to their world. So that this gospel can go beyond Rome more effectively and effectually. Galatians 3 verse 19. I'll read maybe two verses tonight. Galatians 3, 13 and verse 19. You know, in Galatians 3, 13, the Bible says, For Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed all from the curse of the law. That means everyone under the earth is under the word a curse. And this is the, is, the, is the grounds on which the apostle was writing. Why did Christ redeem us? Because he says, cause is everyone who hangs on a tree. Did Christ hung on a tree? Yes, glory to God. That the blessings of Abraham might come to who? The Gentiles through Jesus Christ. And we all may receive the promise of the Spirit now by faith. You know, I was sharing with the leaders in our prayer meeting. I said, thank God, um, 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 uh, uh, um, Simon uh, of, of Arimathea came to help Jesus um, to, 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 sorry, the Simon of Serene came to help Jesus carry the cross. Why? Because at the time Christ was beating 39 lashes, he was so weak, he couldn't carry that cross by himself anymore. He could have passed out before the cross. But thank God, because God knows his word will never fall to the ground. The plan for eternal redemption of mankind must happen. And therefore, someone had to come on the scene. Now remember, this, 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 this man that came was an African. I will find his name in Acts 13. From verse 1. When, when the teachers in the church of Antioch were, were, were mentioned, his name was mentioned there. And it's called the, the nigger. Now nigger is a word used for blacks. Though derogatory, but it's used to identify that this particular one is not, it's not Caucasian, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not Arabic, it's, it's, it's a black man. So one of the people that helped Jesus to carry the cross to, to, the, to, the, to, to, to the place of the skull was an African from Libya. And was just not an African, was a black African. But thank God tonight that this one wouldn't focus. But, 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 but thank God that Jesus went. And why would that happen? Because Jesus Christ said in John, in John 3, John 3 from verse 14, he says, he says, he says, just as a serpent was what was raised in the wilderness. He says, so also shall the Son of Man be what? Be lifted up. That means before the final plan of God will be achieved, there must be what? A lifting up of, of, of the Son of Man. That's why Christ couldn't have died before he was what? Raised up. So God sent Simon of Syrian. And it's interesting to know tonight 
that the place that Christ was crucified was prophesied accurately for about 2,000 years before it happened. The place that Christ was hung is called Mount Moriah. The place called Golgotha is Mount Moriah today. The place where Christ died between two thieves. The Bible says he's found among the wealthy. He was buried among the rich. You see, he was buried in the tomb of, of, of Joseph of Arimathea, one of the wealthiest men of his days, himself and Nicodemus. They didn't know that they were fulfilling scriptures, but I know they knew because they were among the Sahendrians. So now I'm building up something. Hallelujah. This is why you know that, that the faith of Christ is genuine faith because it's based on prophecy. No man can get this done except by the hands of God. And so in Genesis 22, Bible says, And God called to Abraham as a type and shadow of what he was meant to do. He said, Abraham, go and sacrifice your son, your only son whom you love on the mount I will show you. And Abraham took off and for three days, that boy had died in his heart. Because it took three days to go to the mount. When he saw the mount afar off, it's called the Mount Moriah. And he told the servant, he says, stay here there. I and the boy, we are going yonder toward to worship and will come back to you. But, but, to, but to sacrifice. And, and, and the boy said, father, this is the lamb. I mean, sorry, this is the wood and the fire. But, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He says, God will provide himself a lamb on Mount Moriah. He didn't know what he was saying. He didn't know he was actually fulfilling the prophesying, the plan of God. You know, the reason Abraham knew that, that the boy was not that he knew. Because God told Abraham, he says, In Isaac shall thy seed be called. So he knows that Isaac will have a seed. And if God will kill Isaac, it's God's own issue to raise him up. Bible says in Romans that he knew that God was able to what? To raise him up again. Hallelujah. So this is how Abraham knew. He knew by the word of God. So God spoke to him by the word. Abraham knew that if God says, For in Isaac thy seed shall thy seed be called. And not in seed, but in thy seed Isaac. So he knew that Isaac would give birth. According to the word of God. So if God wants to kill him, then God will also raise him up again. And they climbed the mound and, 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 and thank God. You see, Isaac did not run away because Bible says, like a sheep left among the like says he opened not his mouth. Isaac, hallelujah, Isaac has shown a pre-shadow of the nature of Christ. That's why somehow this, this, this father of old, he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac. That's why he said so, because this one fulfilled exactly the Christ mandate when they will come. God showed a pattern of Christ and were people that laid their lives to be made the pattern for Christ to come. By history, Isaac was 25 years old at this time. But let's leave the age. He's a young boy. That boy should be able to have run his father because his father was over 100 years old at this time. So he can't, he can't, he can't hold on to him. So even if he's 10 years old, he can overpower his father. Even if he's 15 or 20, he can't. So whatever, so it's between the age of 15 and 20 or 30 years old. He could have said, Father, I don't believe anything you are saying. You want to kill me? He would have wrestled and took the knife and run away. 
But thank God, he stood. I don't know what happened. I don't know what came to him to allow his father to tie him. Glory to God. He was tied and, and was kept on, 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 on stake on the wood. Just, uh, just like Christ was placed on the cross. And when the father took the knife for to strike him down, God says no by an angel. God said, an angel of the Lord, verse 22, said to Abraham, it wasn't God that came because no one can see God and live. But God spoke by the mouth of his angels that he made mediators between him and man. And says, don't kill the lad. Don't kill the young man. Turn behind you. There's a ram caught in the ticket. He says, his horn is caught. <laughs> that means God made the, 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 the ram to be there, caught, he can't escape because Christ has been slain also from when they found it on the earth. So it's, it's a done deal. From eternity past to eternity future, it's done already. So the, 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 the ram or the lamb have nowhere to go because Christ has been slain already. This was the pattern. And this was how. The pattern for our substitution came. And this is how we were, our sins were, were cleansed. We are all on our way to death. We are all on our way to condemnation. But thank God for the introduction of the blood of Jesus himself. And so as he was raised up in the wilderness, raised up on the mountain. Listen folks, that same man Moriah. That is where Golgotha is. It's on that same mount where Abraham took the night to kill Isaac that God sacrificed his son. What a pleasant coincidence. What a fulfillment of prophecy. Someone say amen and say hallelujah tonight. So on this basis, Paul was writing. He said, he says, let me, because, because some folks were so boastful. That they are the ones that, that should be the custodian of redemption. And Paul says, no, you don't know what you're talking about. For this event happened solely by the grace of God. And on this premise is, 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 is the book of Romans. Chapters 1 through 3 we are now is based. So it's on these grounds that Paul was making his word, his arguments. And how does this apply to you and I? Our redemption is the work of God. And therefore, we must live to give thanks. It's only Isaac that knows what it means to give thanks to God for rescuing him. Because he was dead already. The father had killed him in his heart. In fact, the knife was coming down. The knife was close to him. If, if, if the agent had not cried out, Abraham would have killed the boy. But because of God's mercy, Isaac's life was what was fed. Listen, our life has been fed from the wrath of God by the mercy of God. God has made a substitute. The Lamb of God, even our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed for us on our own first Corinthians 5 verse 7 and 8. Even Christ, our Passover lamb, therefore we must live perpetually in thanksgiving as a church of God. Amen tonight. So the church is made unique and different in that our salvation was procured for us by the precious lamb of God, by the spotless lamb of God, and by his precious blood. 
So this is the, is the strength of the argument of the Apostle Paul on the redemptive grace. So that no one can boast now. This will become clear to you now as we read through the book of Romans for free. In fact, from chapter 2, we are able to see the arguments of Paul first for the Jews. But as we read these scriptures, we will not only the Jews alone, we want to see how this also applies to our lives now. So Ephesians, sorry, um, um, Galatians 3, verse 13, we see Christ has redeemed us. From verse 19 of Galatians 3, tell me that tonight quickly everybody if you can. Galatians 3, I want to read from verse 19 of Galatians 3, I want to read from the New King James Version of the Bible. Galatians 3, from verse 19, no 19 now, 19 now, we've read 13 already, 19 says, For what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgression, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. Amen. Now the mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the Lord then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture had confirmed all under sin that a promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, see now, we were kept under the guard of the law, kept for faith which will afterward be revealed. Therefore, the Lord was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor. Let me hold on there. Paul saying this to further explain to the church in Galatia the purpose of the law that God gave the Lord as a schoolmaster to what? To bring us unto Christ. But now that Christ has come, we are no longer under the tutor of the law. For now we are saved by faith. And this is the grounds of the argument of the Apostle Paul to the people in this place so they understand the true mind of God and, and how our redemption was purchased by the grace of God. Now, I, I, I've read through the Bible and I see that one of the things that the Apostle Paul was saying here is about justification and being made righteous before God. And he's answering the Jews here that everything is based on faith and believing. In fact, in John 6, 28, 29, when Christ was speaking about his feeding them with the bread and him being the life, and they asked him, what must we do to be saved? What work must we do? What is the work of God that should be done that will be saved? And he answered them, believe. Amen. Believe. The Jew says, no, don't believe. The Jew says, do the works. And he says, what is the work of God? And Christ defined or redefined the work of God as what? As believing. John 6, 28 to 29. In Acts 2, verse 37. Because this is the main cross. How do men get justified? How were you justified? How was I justified? And how will anyone in the world today be justified? Acts 2.37 And when Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost, 
to the crowd where 3,000 souls were saved. One thing they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the answer was, repent and, 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 and be baptized and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. So the question is believing, praise God. But how come they are now insisting that men must observe the law? Men must follow a law before they get saved. And this is the argument of Paul. That the grounds of salvation is what is believing by faith. In fact, in Mark 1, 15, when Christ began to preach the gospel, he said, he said, repent now and, and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. So the grounds of, of, of being justified is what? Is the grounds of believing. So it's not that difficult, it's believing. In Acts 16, 13, we read of Paul and, 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 and Silas, you know, their, their, their encounter in, in Philippi with the jailer. When they went to, to preach in, in Philippi, you know the story, if you remember the story in the book, in, in the book of Acts. And they met this, this slave girl that had the spirit of what? Of divination. Um, she, she, she could see, you know, she could, she could prophesy. And, but she was prophesying with, with, with the, by the power of, of, of divination, the, the spirit of divination. So there's something called the spirit of what? Of divination. That's a spirit that works with hamalis, with, with, with palm gazers, with, with men that use occultic means to see the future. Um, 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 star gazers, you know, palm readers, um, 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 oh, horoscope readers, necromancers, people that speak with the dead. They operate by the spirit of, of what? Of, of divination. It's a demonic spirit that shows things in the spirit. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you think that it's of God. In fact, most false prophets use this same spirit of word of divination. And she carefully Paul for three days and Silas. And when Paul got fed up, like he had an encounter in Acts 13 with bad Jesus, Paul rebuked the spirit in the name of Jesus. And the spirit left the girl immediately. And she could not fall forward prophesy or see things in the spirit anymore. And the owners of the slave girl took Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace and got them flogged and they were kept in prison. You know the story? And the jailer had an instruction to put Paul and Silas in the dungeon and fasten their, their feet in stocks. But I was at midnight Acts 16, 26, downwards, at midnight, Paul and Silas sang and prayed. At midnight, they sang praises to God. They were praising God in the beauty of His word, of His holiness, thanking Him for counting them worthy to suffer for the sake of the gospel. They were magnifying His name, singing, making in their hearts melodies to God. And, and they prayed and they sang and the prisoners Heard them. So it wasn't silent praying or silent singing. No, they were singing and people were hearing their praises and their prayers. And the prison became a place where earthquake happened by the power of God. And the, and, and the chains in their hands broke. And every door opened. Hallelujah. Every prison open every hindrance was destroyed and an average person will expect Paul and Silas to do what 
to escape. But they remained there. And, and, and the jailer came and took knife for to kill himself. Because if you know the, the, the times in which you are in, if he didn't kill himself, they would have killed both him and his family. And as he took knife to himself, Paul says, No, don't harm yourself. For we are all here. Listen, the power of God was so strong that even the jealous that could have escaped could not even live by the power of God. So the power of God did not come to make them become fugitives and escape. It, it came to make them children of God. And when the jailers saw Paul in there, he says, What must I do? Acts 16. You know his answer? It says, believe in the Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved, you and your word, your household. So what was Paul's answer to his question of what must I do? You see, this question is what is important. And that's what Paul was trying to say to this church. Because the Jews who believe in Rome... Well, it all came from Jerusalem. But now they are hindering others from believing the right way. So what must anyone do to be saved? Believe on our assignment to present the gospel and trust God to help them believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be what? Saved. He didn't say anything. He didn't say, um, um, before you are saved, you must go through these seven principles. You must, you must, we, we must watch you for seven years and, and, and see if your life is, is coming to form. No, he, he didn't say so. He didn't say now. No, he says, believe now in the Lord Jesus and you shall be what? Saved. So the question of what must we do is important. They asked Jesus in John 6, what shall we do? They asked Peter in Acts 2, what shall we do? They asked Paul in, in Acts 16, what shall we do? So we see this question recurring. What shall we do? Now let me ask you, what did you do? Because no one can be born again from his mother's womb except Jesus. He's the only one that was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Everyone comes to a place of accountability. No one can be saved without his knowledge. For us to be saved, we must come to a place where we know and we're able to identify with Christ reasonably with our hearts, believing for ourselves. And so the question of believing is important. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, we see from verse, from verse 6, Paul writing about the question of, of, of believing. Because this is very important in our preaching and our message. So Paul is saying here now, having said that the grounds for redemption is believing, he now asks the question, what then is, is the advantage of the Jews? Are they useless? Because the Jews are claiming that they are in the forefront of redemption. We can see that throughout scriptures. And in Paul's argument, he doesn't want us to go with the wrong notion that the Jews have no place in Christ now that Christ has come. Even though he said, 
in Romans 10 verse, verse, verse 4 and thereabout, it says, For Christ is the end of the law. But Christ didn't end the law in that sense. Christ came to what? To fulfill the law. He says, he says, he says, he says, he says, faith doesn't come to condemn the law, but rather it has come to further what? Establish the law. So what then is the advantage of the Jew? That means the Jew has what? Advantage. Now, it says something in Romans 3, please tell me there, from verse 1. Romans 3 from verse 1. What advantage then had the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Now, it says in verse 2, much in every way. That means, that means, if I, it says, first and foremost. So first, because we have other advantage of the Jew in chapter 9. But let's stick with chapter 3 here. It says, first and foremost, that word, that the, to them were committed the oracles of God. Now, what is the oracle of God? The scriptures. Do you know that without the Jews, we don't have Genesis so, to, to Revelation? Of, let me say, we don't have Genesis to Malachi that revealed um, 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 Matthew to Revelation. So the first advantage of the Jew is that to them was committed the word of God. They kept the word of God. Now, someone said, as I was studying, he says, an average, you see, what 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 God did through them was tremendous. And to that, the entire church owes all the Jew something. Prayers and love. For they risked their lives. If you read throughout Jewish history, Satan has always wanted to destroy. To destroy the temple, destroy the oracles, destroy the tradition, destroy the faith. The first temple was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. Five and three BC, he came and destroyed the whole temple. And there are many kings in history that have made attempts to destroy the things of God. Antiochus Epiphanes came to the temple and, and, and did havoc in the temple. Many, many people have come trying to destroy the oracle, but they have preserved it in writing. Now, let me say this to us that most of the Jews, there are some scribes amongst them. What did these scribes usually do? They always transcribe or, or write out scriptures in scroll. So what they do is, as they write these scriptures, they are very meticulous about it. They dedicate their lives and their heart. So when they write from, because there must not be one mistake. In fact, they don't write the name of Yahweh without bathing. And having written from chapter 1 to 50, if at chapter 50 there's one mistake, they would they will discard everything and start afresh because of the sanctity of the preserving of the word of God. This is how meticulous they were from the beginning until today that we have the Bible to ourselves.
So for this purpose, the Jews were actually very important. But, 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 haven't said that when it comes to the plan of God for redemption, Jesus had come. God gave the law and, 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 and everything to bring us to Christ. The purpose of, of what the whole is to reveal Christ. What is your purpose, folks? Your purpose is to reveal Christ. The purpose of the church at Oba is to reveal Christ. Not to reveal money or reveal fame or, the, or reveal certain acceptance. Your purpose, your purpose as a person is to glorify Him, reveal Christ. Now that Christ is done in your heart, how do you show Him for? Let your light so what shine before men. What light? The light of Christ in you. That they may see your good works. That's the plan of God. Having said all this, now what is to go forward? Now let's read further down um, from chapters, I mean from verses 3 to 20. As Paul builds his argument. But my main verse, um, um, I have two main verses in between this verse and it's verses 9 and verse 19. These are my uh, the main verses that I want to consider on uh, in Romans 3, verses 3 to 20. That's the block group I want to take on to. So let's 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 look at verses 3 through 20 of Romans 3. But now in particular, let's look at verse 9. Um, is a theme scripture and 19 of this verse. Verse 9 says, What then are we better than they who are the we? The Jews. Because Paul himself is a Jew. You know, sometimes you might look at your neighbor and say, he's, he's a sinner. I can't invite him to church. He won't come. God is saying, are you better than him? No. You were once like him. I was once like him. We were once like them. Let us never exclude anyone from the grace of God. Let's, let's never think anyone beyond the redemptive grace of God. Are we better than them? No, we are not. So are you not better than your unbelieving friend? And this lesson, this will teach us as we grow in the things of God. For this is important in the heart of God. For for this purpose, Christ came that he might redeem men and destroy the works of Satan. Hallelujah. And the only way by which men can be saved is by exposing them to the gospel of Christ. Verse, verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No. Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Now you see that now? So everyone is under sin. So the Jew that thinks he's righteous, Paul says you are not, you are unrighteous. Everyone is under sin. But the question here, or the basis of argument here, is the law. Because they are holding to the law as their grounds and, and, their, and, their, and, their, and their authority for, 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 for arrogating Christ themselves. And that everyone that must believe in Christ must come through them. So it's based on the law that came to them. Based on the oracle. Based on the fathers. They are holding up. But Paul says no. 
verse 19. With me, everybody, let's go back to that verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, 